Yo, partnership alert, partnership alert, partnership alert. Living Corporate has a partnership with LinkedIn Learning, an American massive open online course provider that provides video courses taught by industry experts across a wide array of subjects. Now, the partnership is because Living Corporate has courses on LinkedIn Learning focused on diversity, equity, inclusion for leaders, career professionals, and anyone really looking to upskill themselves and be better allies. So make sure you check out our courses on LinkedIn Learning by clicking the link in the show notes. And let's just say you don't want to do that. You go to LinkedIn Learning on LinkedIn, search Living Corporate. We'll be right there. All right. Peace. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Break Room. Hey, everybody. (laughs) I am Dr. Nikki Coleman, and I am uh, very pleased to co-host today with Dr. My name is Dr. Jude Bamashigben. I'm so excited to be with Dr. Nikki. We we really get our chance to be one on one. So I'm like, I'm I think this is our first this. time. This is our first time. This is our first time. Yeah. 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 I was like, I think so. Yeah. Um, and so we want to talk about parenting as a professional. Ooh, and um, it ain't easy. Is <laughs> so among the four co-hosts, um, Jude and I are the two parents, and. Mm-hmm. Um, as you know, we're trying to navigate the professional world as black people to begin with. And then you add parenting on, that's a little extra whipped cream and sprinkle on the Sunday. Um, and we wanted to make sure (laughs) we took some time out to really give voice to that, sort of talk about the, um, challenges that comes along with parenting, but I also think particularly parenting at while black and also just parenting while black as a professional, like it's, it's multi-layered. We want to start and in a pandemic. And in a pandemic. Let's never forget the panini. Parenting <laughs> while a black professional in a pandemic. You know, like, wow, wow. It's yeah. layers to it, for real, for reals. Um, mm-hmm. And so we will jump in a little bit, just for those of you all who may be new to the break room. First of all, welcome. We're happy to have you here. As an overview, what we try to do is um, sip a little tea. So we'll try to talk a little bit about what's going on in the world. I'm excited that the tea this week is sort of frivolous um, and joyful. We've had a couple weeks where it ain't been that uh, joyful. So I'm happy that we have like a little bit of a light tea to sip. Maybe a little white tea, we could say. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and, um, And then we'll sort of get into the topic of the show. If there are questions, we'd love for you to pose them here if you're with us live. You can always email questions to us at the break room at livingcorporate.com. You can see that, uh, that G-Day put it in the chat. And then we always end and wrap up with um, the last nerve. And I have uh, again asked to sort of take the mic and talk about the last nerve this evening. So that'll be how we use our time together. Great. So G-Day, I bet you have no idea about what I want to talk about in terms of the tea. I told you what I was going to talk about, but I bet you were like, <laughs> okay. Listen, I, I might not watch it myself, but through Twitter, I, I, I think I've gathered enough clues. So go ahead and tell everybody. I'm excited. So we want to talk a little bit about this ratchetry foolishness. Oh, <laughs> uh, that, that is the latest going on with the Real Housewives of Atlanta. And honestly, I don't watch it regularly either. I'm kind of on again, off again with it. Um, but I know enough about the major players that I was like, hmm, interesting. So it came out, what is today, Thursday? Either I think Tuesday of this week, maybe even Monday, where one of the the stars um, of the show, I'm so condescending. They are reality TV stars. Let me not put it in air quotes. This is so condescending. Let me pull back my judgment. One of the stars, Portia Williams, who's, she's been on the show for several seasons now. She wasn't part of the original cast, but she's been on the show for several seasons. So she has some notoriety for sure. And she's had her ups and downs in her love life. Um, but this latest turn is a bit much. So she she announced in a selfie on Instagram with one of the previous cast members estranged husband yes. that now Portia and this man, Simon, are now engaged after one month. 
questions. The internet had questions. One, she used the term Simon's divorce is settled. However, it is not finalized. It's not legally dissolved marriage. So technically, he's still married to a whole other person. Secondarily, uh, he only announced his divorce in January. But y'all fell in love in a month. And I'm doing that quick math. <laughs> you, know, you know, get on your phone. I'm trying to make it make sense. It's, um, mess, it's, mess. it's messy. It's so messy. And so here's the thing. I don't judge who you catch feelings for is who you catch feelings for. There is not a person, a grown person that hasn't, that got somebody in their closet that they're like, dang, I, I can't even believe I was with that person. Like, oh, I hope nobody ever finds that out. So we all have had our moments. However, she even says in her post, the optics don't look good. And so then let's lean into that a little bit. If yeah. the optics don't look good, could we have maybe managed it a little bit differently? Um, and so this is where I get in. And I don't want to be moralistic about it. But I also think there's a way to... to engage in difficult um, conflicts or uncomfortable um, situations with more grace and compassion. And I just feel like she could have kept that woman's not okay, even so quite ex-husband picture so off of her you're, Instagram. So you're, you're, you're right that there are ways to handle things with grace and tact. Okay. Yes. Is that what the Real Housewives are known for? It's not. You're right. It is very, not that, and that's so. That's the other layer. This is very on brand. This is very, very on brand. No doubt about that. And somebody I know even was like, I don't even think this is real, real. I think this is just like helping facilitate a storyline. And we know that reality TV is not based in reality. Um, and that they have to sort of create drama, and there's ongoing drama. I also think, though, this is where I put my psychologist hat on. I think the sort of people that are drawn to being stars, like right? somebody who has the capacity to sustain multiple seasons of being in that sort of context, also probably really thrives in chaos, probably really yes. naturally has some yes. relational dysfunction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. this is a way for them to sort of stay immersed in that, but it also mm -hmm. gives them gratis, uh, gratification um, notoriety by being sort of a star, right? I just can't imagine like I, I don't know someone that is sort of healthy and balanced <laughs> um, that knows how to negotiate healthy relationships functional relationships doing this show for eight, ten seasons. I can't see that happening. So can I say something that me and my wife always talk about? Yeah. So whenever, my, you know, my wife watches a lot of reality television. I can't lie, I watch some too, you know. I don't, I don't watch the real housewives, but I watch a lot of, I watch some reality television. And, you know, she'll start to kind of maybe feel bad for somebody or have empathy or sympathy for somebody. Mm -hmm. It always comes back to this, okay? Every single person on television wants to be on television. Absolutely. Okay? And that's yeah. a certain personality type, a certain characteristic that yeah. they all share. And, you know, there are people who are made for television. Yes, You know. yes. Um, yes. and they so, have found this is a franchise I would imagine I don't I don't know the numbers I think it is their most popular franchise mm -hmm. of that I whole mean, yeah. brand um, exactly. out so, of all the real housewives you mean like Atlanta yes. I oh, got you yes I really think so somebody correct me you can put it in the chat if I'm wrong because they mm -hmm. like I know they have multiple ones New mm -hmm. Jersey New York Orange County Beverly mm -hmm. Hills all the mm -hmm. ones but I think this is really one of the top ones and they bring the drama like none other. So it's true. I can't true. wait to see how this all plays out. Listen, if she is in love genuinely, if he is divorced, because all, the other thing is you never know what's behind the scenes. And that's what I always say about mm -hmm. celebrities of any sort, right? Yeah. I love Beyonce. All hell the queen. Love her. But I don't know what she's like in real life. <laughs> like if I no. met her in real life, I might be like, hey, yep. come yep. on yep. now. Right? It is all a marketed and crafted image, one way or the other. Mm -hmm. So I never take anything at face value, and I never put um, somebody that's a celebrity like beyond something, right? Yeah. On the other end, sometimes marriages dissolve before divorces are final, right? That that can sort of emotionally dissolve, right? That like we have decided we are not married 
in um, any sort of psychological connection or union, and we just haven't dissolved our finances and our time. material world. And they do take, take time. time. So we could give some benefit of the doubt. No, never. Also, and uh, it could have been handled a little bit differently. So yes, yes. that's the tea I wanted to talk about. Life is messy. Folks are messy. Um, I try not to contribute to the messiness, though. That's sort of how I try to live my life, but to each their own. So that was a little tea I wanted to sip on. Um, so, uh, and oh, so then, so the one last piece, and so we'll transition. So she did put in her statement something about, because she's she was in a short-term relationship with the father of her daughter, but she said that her new fiance and the father of her daughter have decided they're going to I don't know, have some sort of amicable, respectful relationship. Oh, so she was yeah, like, two black men that. working together. Let's, you know, could we get an amen That's for you. that? So uh, good luck to yes. those children is what yes. I say. Yes. So let's talk about parenting. If you, so I'll share a little bit. I am a, um, a single mother by choice um, of a nine-year-old girl. I was getting on up there in years. Um, and this may be TMI, but here we go. I had like a candid conversation with my doctor at age like 35. And I was like, I'm reading all this stuff about fertility and women and, you know, how your um, likelihood of fertility declines as you as you age. Is that true? Do I have to be worried? And she was like, uh, if you want to have some babies, you better make it happen. And I was like, oh, okay, we're just going to have this real conversation. Um, and I really did. I always had a vision for myself for being a parent. Um, and so I was like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I need to make it happen. Um, and so I had my daughter at age 37, which was considered a geriatric pregnancy. Which is so geriatric. disrespectful. <laughs> it was so disrespectful. Like I had to have a special orientation yeah. with the midwives and everything. Yeah. I was like, come yeah. on, we got to do better than this. Um, and like a lot of black women that we now know, um, which we, I don't know, I don't know that we had as much public data at the time. Um, mm -hmm. But we now know that a lot of black women experience additional um, yep. challenges in pregnancy um, yep. and higher disrespect rates of infant doctors, mortality. Disrespect from the doctors, higher rates of infant mortality, higher rates of maternal mortality, higher All rates of, of those birth, things. low birth weight, the, the whole shebang. The whole shebang. And I, I, had the, I had a lot of the shebang. I ended up having mm -hmm. preeclampsia. Um, I was pretty sick throughout most of my pregnancy. Um, and so when I think back about the care, while I don't think that I got any, um, I don't know that I got substandard care, I will say that. And I wasn't ever in like physiological pain or discomfort. It just was always something a little bit off, right? And I think I didn't quite, it always felt like mm, you're off on this metric, but you're doing fine in this area, right? And so maybe I did get dismissed a little bit, but the long story short, she ended up being a late term preemie, but she was extremely low birth weight. Um, she was two pounds and one ounce when she was born. Wow. Hands down, the most traumatic experience of like the whole thing. It was not at all what I envisioned for my pregnancy, for my birth plan, um, for any of that. She ended up spending the first month of her life in the NICU. Um, and that substantially cut into my um, FMLA, right? So even as a faculty yeah. member, right, I was an academic and I thought, I'm going to, you know, I've seen other people that they get semesters off and their department works really well with them. No, I will. I remember very vividly. I ended up having a cesarean and I was in the hospital for an extended period in recovery and, you know, um, that whole thing. And so because she was in the NICU, I would have to get driven back to the hospital every day to visit her because you're not allowed mm -hmm. to drive for several weeks after major surgery or which a cesarean is. And mm -hmm. so it was either the day the first day I was driving back or day two, but it was very shortly. Got a call from my department chair that was like, how are you? And I was like, you know, it's been really rough. And I, then he sort of cuts me off and I realized, oh, white man, you didn't really, you don't really care how I am. And then he says, well, I just want to let you know, we're going to need to amend this, um, the plan that you have. So your FMLA actually is going to start earlier, which would bring you back to start at the spring semester. So I just wanted to inform you, we're going to be sending you some of that paperwork and where can we fax it? Like it, it was... It was like wow. that. Wow, that sounds illegal. Yes. Um, it, actually... <laughs> it did not feel good at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
And in the state of mind that I was in, like yeah. literally it was about survival. It was about mm -hmm. recovery for me mm -hmm. and making sure my baby was going to be okay. Of course, so of course. there was no fight in me at that time at all. Um, and I was like, uh, okay, I guess. So I got about, um, I think 10 weeks off or something like that. But four of them, she was in the, um, the NICU mm -hmm. and it was the middle of the semester. And so the remaining part of it was really the semester break. So literally January, whatever, I went to work with a five pound infant and was mm -hmm. like right back at it, teaching three classes a semester and writing papers and advising it. It was like right back in it. Yeah. Um, and so I know I had a lot of privilege in that I had a job that was well paying, that I had, um, you know, health insurance. So things were covered. However, the bills from my surgery, the bills from my extended hospital stay prior to the surgery, the NICU bills, like all of that stuff was substantial. But I all, I share all of that in part to sort of juxtapose it. So when, when if you've ever had the experience of having a kid in the NICU, if they are at a certain level of sort of vitality, they have them in a little pod. And one of the children um, in the pod um, was the daughter of a working mother and it like this idea around privilege really hit me in a new way when I could literally be there with my daughter for hours on end because I had FMLA through this job mm -hmm. but this mother had to go to work because she was a wage earning employee and right. she would call in on her break right so she has two 15 minute breaks and a lunch break and I, I could sort of hear the rhythm of her calling to check in about her baby and it was such a stark reminder for me of one about there's so much inequality yeah. in our yes. sort of overall system with regard to working parents and childcare and like what that really means, but also how like how I'm experiencing this level of discrimination even mm -hmm. in this context, but I have privilege. It's, it was this really right. eye opening sort of um, way for me to get more gratitude but also get a little bit more fired up but just about i think how so much in our overall structure of society works against working parents right yep. um yep. so i'll be quiet i don't know what you want to share about your experience as being a father your experience yep. with i know some of your research sort of centers around black fatherhood so yes. Um, so first I want to thank you for sharing, Dr. Yeah. I appreciate it. Like learning that, you know, I also didn't know any of this. So it's nice to, you know, learn, learn this about you, you know, um, super, um, interesting and, you know, super valid experiences that I think fit into a lot of people's broader frameworks of what parenting is like. Right. So, mm -hmm. uh, my story is a bit different than yours. Right. I mean, first I'm a, I'm a, I'm a dad, right. So our, st our stories diverge yeah. from, from the very beginning, <laughs> right. You know, um, I'm a father, so I've, I've never been pregnant myself. I haven't given birth to a child myself. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I was in grad school, you know, doing my thing in grad school. I was living with my girlfriend at the time and, you know, uh, <laughs> before you know things it, happen. you know, you know, <laughs> you know, things happen, right? You know, and I was at the time I was twenty four years old, mm. and I was terrified. No, I was twenty three years old when I found out we were having a baby. You know, mm. and you know, like I, I, this is another one of these things to point out, right? Like somebody. 30 years ago, you say you have a baby at 23, they don't bat an eye. Right. Right. They right. don't bat an eye. That's That's You know, um, but you know, at this point, like at 23, like, you know, people aren't, ain't, aren't having babies at 23 no more, you know, or at 24. Yeah. So it was scary. It was, you know, it was a hard time. We decided to move forward with, and with, 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 with this baby, you know, and it was all about trying to support my wife during this time. You know, mm -hmm. because I, I honestly do believe that nobody in the world needs more grace than pregnant women and women who've just given birth. Nobody, nobody in the entire world, right? Because nobody. none of us would be here if, <laughs> if, if it wasn't for for the, those processes, right? You know, 
Um, yeah. So I've always believed nobody needs me. And I, I won't say I was always perfect. You know what I'm saying? Like pregnancies are hard times, stressful for moms, mm-hmm. stressful for me because she says she wanted Snickers. I get her Snickers and then she wants a Kit Kat, right? Like what, what am I supposed to do? You know, <laughs> it's, it's all right. Right? You were supposed to know in her mind, even though she says right. Snickers out loud, was she both. was thinking about a Kit Kat. You were supposed yes. to know. <laughs> I, I, I know better now. I know better now. <laughs> You know, but it's a pregnancy. I'm, I'm very happy that my wife had a healthy pregnancy with our first child um, and our second child, you know, so they're six and three now, two boys, you okay. know, um, and both very healthy pregnancies. C-sections, though, you know, yeah. which are, as you pointed out, major surgeries. Like, yes. you know, I'm watching it and I'm seeing them have a saw cutting into stomachs, you know, doing the whole mm-hmm. shebang. It is... Mm-hmm. <sighs> You know what I'm saying? Like it's 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 surgery. Um, yeah. but lucky I've had that. And for both of my kids, and this is a privilege. I live in California, and I'm a state of California employee. Okay, mm-hmm. six weeks paternity leave automatically paid. Wow, that's nice. You know, um, and that in is, the wild wild west of Texas, they don't that, care. They it, don't that's care not happening about you. Right, mm-hmm. right. That that's that's the sad thing. So I acknowledge that that's something I have. Right, like, yeah. and and even lots of other states might have maternity leave, but they don't give it crap about you know paternity leave you know right, right. um and even those six weeks i did have to cut it short a bit to go back to work as, as a grad student you know mm-hmm. um but i'm i had a lot of privilege in these experiences and then raising kids i, I think that's where most of my privilege came from you know so mm-hmm. i have these two kids and it, you meet the kids which you will one day you know everybody always says they're just like the best kids like you're just so nice you know they're just so whatever well, the reality is, okay, at various times, we had access to WIC, Women, Infants, Children, okay? Uh-huh. We had access to subsidized childcare for most of the time period at, at UCLA daycare, right, which is a really good daycare. Um, and there's some accountability there because within a larger system, you know, so we had yeah. WIC. Thank you to WIC. You know, those types of programs are so important. Yes. Um, we had subsidized childcare. We had a strong group of family and friends that lived close mm-hmm. by to always be able to support us. Um, we lived in a UCLA housing, right? A community mm-hmm. of other mm-hmm. graduate students who are parents, right? So like yeah. there's playgrounds every 300 feet, you know, something, something like that. Um, and all the, like, I, I can't understate how all of these things made my experience not as hard as it is for other people. Because no matter what, parenting is hard hard you know it's like let's say that part again parenting is hard hard Hard. yes 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 um but once again i've had a lot of privilege being within you know these institutions um having access to affordable child care or i mean subsidized child care which is affordable you know um and it allowed me to get through my i I can't say i would have got through my phd without literally every single one of those things right also exactly. i had two advisors who were understanding of the fact that i had kids you know graduate school yeah. advisors my bosses essentially who like i was like listen i can't i can't do that after five o'clock i'm done because i got to pick up my kids no matter what every single day i'm happy i had people who are understanding of that um, so uh, what i love about all of those pieces g-day is how mm-hmm. a recognition that like what there's you know there's the rhetoric that mainstream white america has taken from a west african proverb like it takes a village to raise a child right but we don't actually enact that and we don't do it federally right Mm -hmm. and so for you to acknowledge like hey as part of the state that i live in and Mm -hmm. associated with these state benefits Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and so that's a recognition that um when your child is cared for or when you have those supplements to help sort of offset the challenges of parenting you can be present you can do the things that you need to do you can continue to sort of evolve Mm -hmm. and grow and produce as a human being Mm -hmm. but that's not every state and that's not at every level of employment even within that particular state um because i saw some family that's uh in the bay area of california and Mm -hmm. um 2019 so this was pre pre maybe 2018, pre-pre-pandemic, yeah, um, yeah. we went out there and one of the neighbors, my my um, cousins, their children are older, their child is older. And so my daughter was with me and they were like, oh, there's a neighbor down the street that's the same age, they can go play together. And so ended up having conversations, right? Like you do when you talk to other parents about right. work and parents and school and stuff like that. And a, a lot of conversation, it was in that household of a two 
professional household, but is it actually cheaper for one of the parents to stay at home than right. think about both parents going back out in the workforce and yep. then having to pay for childcare? Right. And if we pay for childcare, can we actually afford this house in this neighborhood? Because, you know, the housing is out of control in California, yep. right? Out of control. And so I just and, think- And the childcare is out of control. So, so just to put some numbers out there, right? Like some of the things that I have seen that we looked at is that the average American spends what about twenty five percent of their um, monthly income in childcare, and if you're in a single parent household, that's probably upwards of fifty percent. Fifty percent, yeah. So I remember my first three years of childcare because I had to put her in childcare. Um, I was able to sort of cobble through that first semester just mm-hmm. because one, she was so little Two, I just wasn't ready for her to go into that mm-hmm. environment just yet. And my, my being an academic allowed me some flexibility, right? Mm-hmm. Again, another privilege, but I put her in childcare at nine months old. So between the ages of nine months and three years old, on average, I spent about $10,000 a year just on childcare. Just, just to get her there. <laughs> she didn't take that one with a snack, <laughs> with clothes. So, with is, so, so I just want to get this right, okay? So this is money you spent on for child care for your child to be in a place while you go to work so you can make money to spend at the child care for your kid. So you can Not go to even- work. For you to spend the money. I, I would like to also just add add to that. The the daycare that my children went to, I, mm-hmm. I, I always say I was subsidized. I was very lucky, okay? The cost for an infant per month, $2,300 per month for an infant. $2,300 a month. $2,300 a month. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's a even even with the inflating housing prices here in mm-hmm. Houston, I, I get that. That's still a very lovely mortgage payment. That's a right. lovely mortgage right. payment for a great house, a beautiful house. <laughs> yes, yes, that's a yes. square footage here in a yes. lovely neighborhood. Yes, no, that's no. so insane to me. I thought my eleven seventy or whatever I was paying out mm-hmm. of pocket. I don't know, and it's always like like to this. Day, and so I knew a couple other. Um, single moms, mm-hmm. um, and we talked about like once, so once she finally got into kindergarten, right? You're like, "Woo, free school!" Well, mm-hmm. not quite because, not quite. and so this is one of those other things. The school day is seven fifteen to two something. How many people work from seven thirty to two? Like, the what teachers. work day is that? <laughs> Just the teachers. <laughs> Just the teachers at that school. <laughs> Right. And so then you have to you have to pay for aftercare and you're going to pay for it one way or the other. You're either going to pay for aftercare embedded in the school or you're going to pay for aftercare that's somewhere else. And you hope that there is a good place that has transportation that will come pick them up and take them. That's safe that you feel like you you can feel safe there. Because that's that's a big part of it. You know, sometimes you go to a place and immediately just you sense it and you're like, this is a no. Not for my baby. (laughs) I don't know whose other kids are here. Yes. Yes. This a no. All of those things. Um, and so, so it's never ending. And so, mm-hmm. I think that is sort of the. And so, we're just talking right now about sort of the what I would call like structural limitations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then there is the piece that you were talking about, or we talked about a second ago, is the hard part, right? This is mm-hmm. the psychological impact, yep. mm-hmm. um, and particularly for um, raising black and brown kids part of your responsibility as a parent is to sort of um, not just protect them from the world but also protect them sort of psychologically around what it's like to navigate the world as a black and brown child right yes so that requires a different level of facilitation around building up their esteem um Usually, at least I'll speak for my household, I would imagine the same for yours. And I know for lots of other mm-hmm. folks, it's also like offsetting the education, right? Let mm-hmm. me tell you about all the parts of our history that right. are not being talked about. Or what if we talked about Christopher Columbus from this other angle, right? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Let me invest in you in these ways. If you have children that are in um, mixed race environments, if they're experiencing racial bullying or racial isolation, 
which happens very early. That which happens very early in preschool. Super early, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. I know so many young black mm-hmm. girls that go through this phase of like yep. not understanding why their hair is. And my daughter has a, a looser texture, curly hair, mm-hmm. but I would put her hair in braids. And when we, she was in um, in pre-K um, at a mixed race school. Mm-hmm. And that child came home, she had cut one of her braids out. Ma'am, first of all, now you got a ball spot, right? <laughs> <laughs> First of all, you oh, got a ball spot right here. Geez. But because it took me a minute, because everybody had straight hair, right? It just was down and straight. And hers was always in twists or plaits or something. And she didn't want it. She couldn't. She First, she tried to figure out how to take them out. Yep. And then it just was, I'm just going to straight cut them out, right? And and I've had, you know, family members who were darker skinned and talked about, what is that like? Or why do I look like this? Mm-hmm. All of that is an additional mm-hmm psychological mm-hmm. space yep, and really emotional labor, psychological labor that black and brown parents have to navigate mm-hmm. that is different um, mm-hmm. than their white counterparts or peers. Because it's not a question of if they're going to experience it. You're just waiting. Is it going to, have I put them in the right preschool environment, right? Is it going right. to happen at their elementary school? Is it going to happen in the aftercare? Is it going to happen on the sport at the YMCA, right? Is it like, it's, it's not if. It's not it. It's when, right? It's when. Mm-hmm. So we're in the workplace day in and day out, mm-hmm. navigating the bullshit that is white supremacy in the workplace, mm-hmm. yep. dealing with our own microaggressions, trying to figure out how we're going to navigate so we can have our own professional development. Are we going to stay mm-hmm. in this place? Do we need to make a move? All of that sort of stuff that we talk about regularly on in the break room. Yeah. And then now you're, if you're a parent, you could have a child going through that. And then I would just add that even if you don't, even if you somehow avoid all of those pitfalls, raising children is difficult because it is a, a third shift, a second shift, a fourth shift. Like, um, I remember a couple of years ago, I posted um, just the status on my Facebook. I was like, does anybody else just pull in the garage and sit for a few minutes before they actually go in the house? And so many people were like, oh, yes. Oh, yes. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Because you need that moment to be like, ooh, let me put down professional world. Let me see if I can get my mind right. Can I have just like a few minutes to me before I go in and start this whole dinner and homework and put that down and know you can't have that. And it is Play with me, please. Play with me, please. I don't want to play. Can I I listen to Bubba Guppies? You know, just the whole thing. Yep. I don't want to play Barbies. It's seven <laughs> o'clock. Everybody, let's just shut it down. I don't want to yeah. do a tea party, right? Um, and we don't talk about that. Like it, it's such commonplace, mm-hmm. and we don't talk about it. But that is an emotional toll, especially if, um, well, especially when you don't have any of those other sort of offsets, right? And I think that that is the piece about about my experience as being a single parent. I have a lot of friends that are dual, um, you know, household parents and they're like, girl, how you do it? And I'm I'm like, I, I'm, I don't know. I don't ask. I don't, I don't know. I, I had a good friend one time tell me, she was like, I don't, I don't think you know everything you do like in a day. And I was like, oh, I know because I'm exhausted. And she was like, no. No, I don't really think you do. I think yeah, if you yeah. really thought about all that you yeah, did. Yeah, yeah, you would think. You would pass out. <laughs> you yeah, just, yeah. quit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, from beginning to end. From, from beginning, beginning to, end. to end. So I think we have a lot of work to do just in our overall structure of this country. And, and the pandemic exposed so much of that. And yet I wonder how much is going to actually change, right? Like, the pandemic exposed how much sort of structural inequities there are. I mean, you took away free childcare, public schools shut down, it, all the things shut down, the sports, the ballet, the art, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all the things. Mm-hmm. And parents and children are at the same table yep. doing schoolwork, logging into Zoom. And accounting. <laughs> at the same table, yeah. yeah. At the same yep. table. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just think we're going to, I think, now that we are moving out of the pandemic, and it really is so weird to me because, you know, I live here in the state of Texas. We've been open for so long. I can't even remember when he officially opened us back up. So it feels right. very much like a back to normal for mm-hmm. for whatever that is. 
And so it's sort of like, okay, let's pretend the last 15 months didn't happen. Um, we're not going to learn any lessons from this. And we expect you to come back in full force. You're vaccinated. Yep. What, what's the problem, right? Yep. Um, yep. Just like before. Why not? Why not? You came, you came in nine to five before, but you know, I think, I think a lot of us realize how absolutely unnecessary a lot of stuff was, yes. <laughs> you know, depending on your job. Like, actually, I didn't need to go to, into work at all. Like, I'm real good right here. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but I think we need to have some more serious conversations in this country. One about the financial burden, right? Um, because we could talk about sort of just like the structural challenges that comes along with that. But if mm-hmm. anybody who is listening, watching, has ever struggled financially, you know there's a level of stress that comes along with that. Um, and and I honestly believe that most parents really are doing the best that they can with what they have. Yes, and they love um, their kids. Yes. And they love their kids. And so they're going to always try to find a way to make that a priority, right? And what happens is, I'll speak for me personally, there were some challenging years there financially where, uh, listen, eleven seventy a month plus a mortgage, plus school loans, plus a car note. You do the math. I was mm-hmm. an assistant or I was associate professor, but I was in the College of Education, right? In the social right. sciences. Right. I was not making six figures as a professor. Let me just right. dispel that myth if that exists. <laughs> right. Um, so there's only so much coming in, right? Mm-hmm. And what am I going to do? Not have her in childcare? Mm-hmm. What are we going to do? Go live in the car? Like, (laughs) there's only so much, right? And there's a level of distress that comes along with that um, Mm -hmm. that does create a psychological burden Mm -hmm. in addition. And so I know I wasn't at my best um, career-wise for a couple years there at the beginning. Mm -hmm. But I don't know that we have a lot of um, professional or corporate um, frameworks that give grace to parents in that way, right? So this is where that, so for me, the conversation around equity equity really becomes so important. We're not asking you to not produce or have expectations for your employees, but can you shift what those expectations are given these very real sort of boundaries and burdens of being a parent? Why can't we even have like a humane conversation about that? you know, this country, capitalism and white supremacy. I mean, that's the easy answer. Or that's the easy answer. Yes. Capitalism I and mean, white supremacy. What's also the true yeah. answers. Yeah, it's also the true answer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, they want to wring you out for every single drop you have. Yeah. You know, instead of understanding that when you do better, you work better too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you're you're yeah. actually much better when you're, when you feel comfortable and you're not financially stressed out, you know, X, Y, Z. Like you, work better. There's study after study that proves it, you know, um, when you're not burnt out, when you're not feeling role strain, right? When you feel supported by your boss and your, or your coworkers, right? Like, and that makes your parenting better, right? Because what happens after a long day at work, you know, you come home and you're not 100%, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's unfortunate. It is unfortunate, but it is also true. Um, mm-hmm. When I switched careers and started making more money, um, because so the one thing too about academia, and you know this very well, Jaday, it's nonstop. Students are always there's always somebody emailing you. You can wake yep. up at five o'clock in the morning, and you've missed five emails from somebody yep. between one a.m. It's like why do you people never sleep? Um, <laughs> it's sort of relentless. Um, and I had I held a couple um, departmental level leadership positions, and so that was like, you know, you need to be responsive to things, yep. right? Um, yep. And I got to the point where I was like stressed every time I opened email, like what, what am I going to need to do now? So even though I was physically at home, oftentimes I wasn't mentally at home. I was disconnected um, from her. And so when I told her I was leaving that job and transitioning to something else, she was so happy. She was like, mama, you're not going to be as stressed anymore. And I was like, dang, you, you were feeling this too, right? This is not, this is a real impact on you. Um, And our relationship has improved her sort of ability to navigate difficult and stressful situations to communicate with me has also improved. Right. So your point is so well taken that when you are 
not in a state of stress or distress, right? When you have all of those needs met, when you're not worried about the finances, when you're not overburdened with unreasonable or unfair expectations, when you can really fully be present, it does make you happier. When you're happier, you're more productive and it makes you a better parent. Yep. And don't we want people to be better parents to raise children that are not out not there in a capitalistic white supremacist environment though? Shooting people up like I just, you know, I feel like that should be a goal of ours. A priority, a priority, you know, affordable child care for every. I, I think the thing that is the wildest about this to me is that we literally none of us would be here if it wasn't for somebody who came for to us. You know what I'm saying? Not even the most staunchest conservative conservative person who's against all this stuff. You would not be here if it wasn't for somebody who held you in their stomach for X, Y, Z months and, and got you out somehow. I literally right? grew a human. Grew a human. And you don't want to support these people? You don't want to make these people's lives easier? Oh, but they'll swear they pro they pro um child. What is it? What is, pro, pro life. Pro life. I couldn't remember. They not pro child. They pro life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that is the difference. Um, so I wonder if you could talk a little bit um about what are the things you know about um sort of what are the the joys of parenting? What are the strategies we can use to sort of offset those stressful moments? Right. We don't mm-hmm. want to. We always want to leave you all yeah. with some good yeah. nuggets, some some positive yeah. information. So Yeah. I, I think the best thing about kids is just watching them grow, you know, and just watching them grow into smart, funny, athletic, musically talented, mm-hmm. whatever kind of person they're gonna grow up to be, you know, like no, nothing made me realize that you can never you can never control another person like having children. Nothing. Yes. And and I and, and I've been able to translate into other stages of my life. Oh, because mm-hmm. you have a, a, a zero month old infant. They run you. You don't run them. <laughs> You're on their schedule. You know, when they cry, you feed them, you change them, you put them to sleep. Right. Like that's that's what you do, because that's what they need. You know, yeah. um, so I, it helps me realize that you can't control another person. You know, all yeah. you can do is uh, support them to the best of their ability. You know, I love. You know, it's it. I, I, I feel like as soon as they were born, I just knew I loved them for life. And it, 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 like, it, it's hard to kind of explain that, you know. But once you meet this person, you're like, oh man, this is my person. You know, <laughs> like this is my person and my responsibility. You know, so while it's yeah. challenging, you know, the payoff, it, like the payoff, is a long ways away, right? Like right between zero and eighteen, that's when you're putting in the work. Yeah. You know, being present, being there, protecting them, supporting them. But 18 to the rest of their lives, right, is hopefully the payoff. And you start to see the payoff, you know. Yes. Um, and and it's, it's allowed me to have such an appreciation for my own parents, too. Mm-hmm. You know, like I have three older sisters. Like I have two kids and I am, we are done. Okay, we're not having any more children, right? You know, but like appreciating like, wow, like people have been doing this for generations and generations and have been trying their best, you know, and I'm I'm obviously not a perfect parent. It's it's impossible. My parents obviously weren't perfect, but I know they love me and tried their best. And having kids has like, I have a third eye, right? You know, for, yes. for them and appreciation for them. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. Oh, so many things. So somebody told me, um, somebody told me when you have a, when you have the baby, you won't, you come to realize you didn't know your heart could be that big. That was the way it was described. Um, and so that is, and then what I would tell people, as soon as I had her, what it felt like to me was, um, autofocus, like, like literally the lens was like, Oh no, this is what's important. Yes. Um, and so I think that that has helped really um, given me a broader sense of like, mm-hmm. what is the priority for me in life? Like, yeah. what do I really yeah. value? Um, yeah. And I do. And, and so even though I was having those stressful moments and tension between work life and career and her, I always chose her. Right. Always. And so and related to that, one of the things I think children can teach all of us is the capacity to be in the moment. 
we talk about this and many of us even sort of meditate to sort of be more centered and grounded and be more present in the here and now and be mindful. But children come into the world with that capacity, baby. When they are focused on that thing, like when, when she used to be like, let's play. We were in that world, right? And it was very real to her. Yeah. And also, I what I my kid is funny. My kid is funny. She's extremely talented. She's smart, um, and she's willful, right? And so that thing that you were saying, you can't make nobody do nothing. <laughs> nothing. I love all the things that people who don't have kids used to try to say about what kids, what they kids gonna do, and what they kids wouldn't do. Okay. Baby, meet me on the other side. Once you right. get one, right? Let's right. have a conversation. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And for specifically for me as a black woman raising a black child, a black girl, that she is willful. Like there are moments where I have to be like, okay, this is not functional right now in this moment, right? We still need to be respectful and navigate the power dynamics of this relationship. But there's always a part of my mind to be like, that's my girl. Like she gonna go out and kill it, right? (laughs) So they are wonderful. Um, and all the joy that they bring and all of the sort of life lessons that they bring. And what I've tried to do is really be, be intentional about being observant of those and learning how I can incorporate that more into my own life for my own psychological mm-hmm. health and well-being, right? It is very easy to get sort of caught up in thinking about the yeah. burdens and the responsibilities and yeah. the labor, but the benefit is really, really beautiful as well. What What's um, one piece of advice you might have for one of our listeners who maybe is thinking about having a kid and it's kind of on the fence, you know, like <laughs> about the experience or what to expect? Um, that you'll never be ready. Like you're, you're never ready. I thought I was, I was in my career. I was on the verge of tenure. I was making the most money I'd ever made. I had a house. I was established. Maybe I was not ready. (laughs) Um, And and you cannot be, you honestly don't know for all the, all the rough, hard, bad, and all of the wonderful, joyful, beautiful, like you, you just can't have a vision for it. Into it. So if you are thinking about it, do all the homework, do all the right things, um, you know, that you can, because, but it's a risk, right? Because you also don't know what, you don't know what that little person going to come out to do. I was very fortunate that all of the things that could have gone wrong with my pregnancy didn't, right? And mm-hmm. I, I'm very clear in being grateful um, to God on a regular basis of like that I am here, that I survived that um, and that she survived that. But, you There's know, no especially guarantees. for black mothers... There is, there is, there's a lot stacked against you, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but then also, even if you have the world's best pregnancy, you don't know who that little person is going to be. You know, that little person can have a range of mental or psychological or physical health concerns. Their personality could just be one that does not mesh with your personality, but you mm-hmm. still love them, right? You, you don't you might know want them to play be. basketball when they want to be in theater. You know, right. <laughs> you know, high school musical. You know, and you gotta, exactly. you gotta you manage just, that. Yeah. You gotta let them be what they gonna be, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, and I, so that's what I always say too. Is like my job is to help her evolve into the best version of herself, and not mm-hmm. for me to yes. um, impose my idea for who she yep. should be on her. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Right. So. Um, with that in mind, I think we're going to move on over to the last nerve. It's all you. It's all you, Dr. Nikki. And Thank if you. there are other Same. questions that you have for us around parenting or you want to ask about anything else, um, you can always, again, email us at thebreakroom at livingcorporate.com. We're happy to take those questions and answer those. <laughs> so my last nerve, I, I'm just going to take a minute. I'm just going to take a minute. Um, it's about... These people in this country called the United States of America. I, G-Day, I am convinced America is the only country on the planet that could mess up vaccinations. How are we in this place where white people who have never been systematically disenfranchised, oppressed, 
mistreated or abused by the scientific or medical community in this nation's history. Hi, y'all talking about y'all don't want vaccines. But at the same time, you don't want to wear a mask. You don't want to social distance. How can we be the one country to be this stupid that we can't put one and one together to get nowhere near two? You can't America, have it both ways. America is white supremacy all grown up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like all, like baby Huey all grown up. Like all grown up. I am so annoyed by these people that, and that we have to even talk about vaccine hesitancy. Listen, if black people who have been systematically disenfranchised, abused, mistreated, experimented on by the scientific and medical community in this country for centuries, if we could put on our big girl and big boy panties and go get vaccinated, if brown people in this country, Latino folks in this country, Asian folks in this country that have been systematically disenfranchised by the scientific and medical communities in this country can go out and get vaccinated. What's your excuse, white man in the middle of Idaho, Iowa? What? White Whiteness and white supremacy never care about the common good. And never. that's the other part. They never care about what's good for everybody. You know, and wearing masks, social distancing, getting your vaccine, right? COVID-19 is a group project. You know what I'm saying? Like, it depends on all of us doing our part, you know? Um, but whiteness, you know, why would they do their part? Like, oh, it's going to benefit the Negroes? No, they're not, they're not, they're not here for it. It's so. benefit anybody. It, yeah. Even themselves. Oh even even, even that, themselves. Even off its nose to spite its face. Yeah. That's the thing. That is the thing. So that was my... Whew, last nerve for the week. Joe Biden's America is looking good. <laughs> pretty good on most days. But on Better. this, I don't really know if he has the answer. So we're going to have to see what he does on that one. Right. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so Thank very you. much. Um, I love talking about parenting and yeah. it was a joy to get to know you better. Same, same. I hope that we imparted some sort of um, nugget of helpful information or wisdom for any of you all that are parents or parents to be. Um, And we will be back next week with, I don't know who's here next week. Somebody will be here next week. Might be me. We'll see. That feels right. Maybe. Yeah, that feels right. I feel like you double booked yourself. You know what I'm saying? Like stack. Yeah. 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 We'll see. we'll see. One of we'll us see. will be back next week. Yeah, right. Exactly. Somebody's <laughs> going to be back. There will be a show next week. <laughs> in the break room, and we will see you all then. For sure. Peace. Bye, everybody.